What's up, world? It's time for another episode of Power Spike. Digon, Dom, and Monty here to break down the action from the world of League of Legends pro play. And uh, there's there's a lot of news that came out here, Monty, this week. A lot of shit came out this week. Uh, I know it's yeah, there's there's been even more stuff about the the Danny incident. We've been able to focus on it because there's no LEC distracting us with, you know, <laughs> gameplay to talk about. So we can really just hone in on the LCS and all of the drama from EG. Also, EG suck. And I think we all know this now. Yeah, we, we will. No, well, it's not confirmed, Monty. You can never know it's for not sure. Confirm, confirmed that they that they suck. Yeah, who can know what the real issues are? You know, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, who can conclude that something bad actually happened? That's, I think that's it's what I've the, learned uh, this week. I think it's a systemic issue. Just there's a. <laughs> Oh, I, I blame the the verticality of the of the company, yeah, and, and nobody can ever be responsible for systems, Dom. Nobody invented systems; they just yeah, exist no. outside of us, and God they are invented to blame. systems for esports organizations. <laughs> so, condemning is, it is condemning God Himself. Perfect. Is systems like the worst league excuse for a uh, for a team failing? Because it's now happened. What? How, how many times have we used systems as like the excuse? Like LS was. Cut by the systems of coaching that Jack wanted to see. To be fair, they won afterwards, but uh, <laughs> you know they did win the title in the split after he left. So, and then they let go of their coach. So, mm-hmm. systems. Uh, we'll blame the systems. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to focus on the LCS to kick things off here uh, in our first segment of the day. It's a good old keep or kick. With a team that is going through a lot of turbulence, one that Monty loves to talk about, who do you keep or kick in terms of the veterans from 100 Thieves who are struggling? Do you keep Bjergsen or do you keep Doublelift? Let's find out. All right. Both guys, former TSM guys, former TL guys, kind of weird. Both not having the seasons that you'd expect or maybe that a lot of fans expected. maybe you guys expected but a lot of fans would have expected Let i feel like we were pretty accurate about our expectations with this team <laughs> we so, didn't know how the rookies were going to perform but we we did have a pretty accurate read on how double lift and bjergsen were going to perform uh, to be fair and we we brought it up earlier uh it, it does feel like double have had a great start to the season and a very good start to the season but uh, also played the easiest teams at the start of the season. <laughs> that's like the, that's the part that people always they're like they had a four and one start it's like yes when you play against like dignitas tsm immortals in your first games like you should probably win like until you start playing the top end of the table that's what really mean the most if you're yeah. not beating them beat the shit out of spawn though you know like that was <laughs> good shit uh yeah, he gap the fuck out of spawn nice <laughs> all right so who do we keep uh keep or kick out of these two monty Okay, so this one, this one I actually think is quite difficult. And Dom, is it's illegal to say you kick both of them. Okay, you have to mm-hmm. keep one. That's the, it's it's an intellectual exercise. So okay. on the one hand, I do think Double Lift is performing at least comparatively better to Bjergsen, but you also have Unforgiven. Yeah, in your That's academy, it's not it's not it's not hard for me at all. You you keep <laughs> the guy that doesn't have the best player in academy playing right under him. Like, <laughs> that's it. So like if, me, I, if I if I had an equivalent think- mid laner backing up Bjergsen on the academy bench, then I would say bench Bjergsen. But I do sure. think because Unforgiven exists, and he was, I, we can only assume that he was signed 
to this Academy roster specifically for this condition, which was that double lift goes boom, whether he didn't, he was, you know, retired and didn't live up to expectations coming back, or he just benches himself, which he's done in the past too, uh, refuses to play the video game League of Legends, then you have Unforgiven at least there as a, as a solid backup option. I like how they didn't choose either of these options, and they chose to kick their coach instead. But we'll get to that <laughs> after. Get to that after. <laughs> yep. uh, well, okay. So let's say it's equal. Let's say it's equal backups there. Instead of equal as in they're both good, let's say it's, you know, you have Pretty behind him who had a little bit of LCS experience with the Mortals last year. And let's swap a player out. Instead of Unforgiven, you have like uh, Tomio or something like that, who's now getting reps over at Dignitas. Then what? Where do you go from here, Dom? Oh, uh, I mean, I, I think that, that you, you probably would want whatever player is going to like come in and, and actually be able to affect the game. Normally, that would be mid lane. So like an aggressive player that you could pick up would probably be best. But I mean, right now they have pretty under, uh, un, under him, which like you have to factor that into the equation when you're talking about keeper kick. You can't just be like kick him for like an imaginary player of equal strength. It's like, who do they actually have? They have pretty who's been like an academy player for fucking ever now. It feels like pretty has been an academy player for like seven years. Um, over the course of his time in Europe and then um, his time in North America. So I don't think that he's the answer. Also, like I've watched Academy games and whenever I watch him play, he just looks like an average Academy level player. I don't think you actually benefit from that, but I think Unforgiven could carry games. I mean, I tweeted out how good is Unforgiven to people that watch NACL and the NACL casters yep. met, like responded to my tweet and said, he's the best player in the league. Like he is by far the best player in the league. <laughs> Which shouldn't be surprising. But, I mean, he was. But does he does he fit the new goal, which was also the old goal, by the way? But especially the new goal, winning with the goal of selling, selling hoodies. hoodies. Yeah, uh, hoodies, baby. Buy the juvie. Do, do, do you think that Unforgiven sells a, hawks a hoodie like Double Lift can hawk a hoodie? Wait, well, I don't know. Probably not, because like Double Lift like has made me want to like buy a hoodie and then burn it. So like that's that's actually <laughs> some pretty good incentive. <laughs> I, I got to derail this real quick. I just checked my email just because I was trying to switch through like uh, to Wikipedia, but then I accidentally clicked on my email. Guess who just sent me an email about the newest Juvie flavor, Blue Raspberry? Holy wow. Shit. Wow. Yeah, well, Un Unforgiven is in, is in Juvie right now behind the <laughs> <laughs> Also, by the way, so I, I think it's hilarious that they, they decided to kick out Case from their head coach role because... By all accounts that I've heard, he's actually a very knowledgeable coach, and he was a he was a hot ticket, like he was a hot item during some of these off season um, conversations. Where historically, a lot of teams have actually wanted him to participate on their coaching staff, but you already have Nuke Duck, and isn't Nuke Duck the better Bjergsen right now? He's been playing recently. Was he lighting anybody's world on fire? No, he wasn't. But he at least has a very broad champion pool. He plays a, he has a very high floor if he doesn't have a very, you know, he has a lower ceiling, obviously, than a lot of other mid laners. But I would think that he could perform better than Bjergsen immediately. Yep. I mean, he, he might be able to. I just feel like if he's not playing the game actively, there's no point. I think that, you, that with 100 Thieves, as fucked up as it sounds, they probably don't have to kick anyone yet because the, they're still within striking distance of playoffs and based off strength of schedule, they should probably be able to get a playoff spot. So I don't think they, they are going to make a move. They at least give them to the end of the split. But all I'm saying is uh, I think come summer, I'm going to have some co-streaming competition over here. 
That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Look at that, Monty. You, 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 Dom's heard it around the rules here. He didn't say no to both of them. He said, "I, I no change, no change." <laughs> <laughs> he he keeps them. He keeps them both on until yeah. until the summer split. I mean, I know I would kick double lift in this hypothetical, but I don't think that they will. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the I'll only the, the only thing that I would consider is that. <laughs> There's just a stigma about Bjergsen and the jungler and how the game is played around him and this inactivity. And you have Closer there who can dive a bot lane. He can dive anything, dive everywhere. But it feels like that is why I would possibly change Bjergsen because it kind of, it's not just affecting the bottom side of the map. It's also affecting what the jungler does, which then affects kind of everything else. Again, a stigma. I mean, uh, I, I just I just don't understand what's going on with this team. I watched their game against Cloud9, where Cloud9 just completely clapped them, and 100 Thieves decided to pick a bunch of passive lanes that have to get, like, you play Lulu and Zeri, you play Aurelian Soul mid, you play Sejuani jungle, and you, I guess you put all the eggs in the tenacity basket by going Fiora top, but where is the pressure with this composition? You know well, what I mean? Like you're playing Aurelian Soul Sejuani into Yone Elise. Like you don't win that in the early game. Like you, how do you take objectives? So much of the current game is about getting control of bot side and stack, stacking drakes and forcing these early, you know, soul points or souls, you know, at 18, 23 minutes into the game in that time range. And how do you actually compete? Like, you're never going to get an opportunity, especially against a team like Cloud9 that has been so aggressive early, to make these plays. Like, this is just the wrong meta for them, and I don't understand why they pick compositions that are just completely useless. Like, they, there is no option for active play on the map. Yeah, because they can't make active plays. You saw it in the second game. What did they do yep. in the day right, the game right after? They went, Caitlin Lux, we're gonna play like we're gonna play early aggression. We're gonna win our lanes, but they can't win their hilarious. lanes, right? That was so hilarious. That's that's the predicament of Hunter Thieves. They're not good enough players to win their lanes, but they're also not able to just sit back, do nothing, and scale because teams are not bad enough in LCS anymore to just like allow you to just win by I mean, magically setting up a Drake I, better when you're down I, five. I, I, I love that comparison, Dom, because that game was so funny where you see the Lee Sin Gragas. I'm like, oh yeah, I know how this goes. I've seen T1 games. Here come the dives against the passive mid laner. Yep. How do you not kill Aurelian Soul one time in the laning phase? Like just they didn't even once. try. It's just like, what the fuck, man? Like, you don't even understand how this composition works. Wait, and it has been shown to you by professional good teams like T1. Like, you should know how this combination works in the mid lane. It is an aggressive combination that you can use for some highly skilled mechanical, you know, tower dives. It's super reliable. <laughs> There's very low threats to, to Gragas in this lane. How do you not, like, it is designed to kill Aurelian Souls. How how about when the Aurelian Soul gets his flash blown 1v1? He gets his flash blown 1v1 to the Gragas, and we're still not killing it. Like, I could, like, you know, if the other player plays well and the enemy jungler's covering it, there might not be a dive, there might not be a dive angle every single game, but as soon as he loses the flash, I mean, that's that's party time. You just go I mean, fucking level six and you ward jump behind the turret, he's just dead 100%. I, I will say, at least with CLG's composition, it made somewhat more sense because they were playing Callista and Varus in the bot side. So you actually do have a, an opportunity to all in and go aggressive, which means that maybe you can kind of 
you know, carry the Aurelian soul through the laning phase or distract and cause pressure elsewhere. But as you said, Dom, double lift and Busio just completely destroyed yeah, they, their own laning phase. They got shit on 2v2. I mean, also, it's like Busio should not be flashy in there, but also double lift should just play it better. If double lift flashes the, he could have flashed both the Varus Q and the Callista Q in one flash. If he flashes both of those at the same time, and Kalista has to commit onto him. At least Busio then lives and you have a one for one. The second time where the lane gang comes in through the lane, Double's like sitting there trying to drop traps on Busio and he dies as well instead of just like walking back to the turn. Like, I don't understand what he's trying to do in the situation. He's not turning that. Like, the Leeson can't do anything to help him there. I mean, the whole game blows up because they don't actually win the lanes they should win because it's like they don't know when they actually do win the lanes. They think, oh, I'm level two. Busio's like, if I Q flash here, this guy dies for sure. He does it. You know, the enemy team is actually good enough to hit level two themselves. They're still hitting the minions and Luger just gets a free double. Like, I don't know. It's just it's very weird to watch them play because outside of the the fact that they make bad plays, sometimes they mechanically execute them so poorly that it's a catastrophe instead of just like a mild loss. It's not, oh, we got ganked. This one person died. It's like, nope, we both died of everything. Then Double is going to fucking ward and he sees a pink ward. And he just like burns his cleanse at the pink ward. And he's like, fuck you, pink ward. And then he just hits like his cleanse. And it's like, what the hell, bro? Like, don't you need that for the lane? Like, all right, all right bro. Okay. Guess it's just a misclick. Like, it happens. <laughs> I I'm going back and watching that trap situation, the second, the second deaths there. He yeah. has 90 caliber net the whole, the whole No, he top. doesn't have it. He didn't skill it. Oh, it's two. okay, okay. Because he was yeah. going trapped. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And so it's just, yeah. Okay, never mind, never mind. But uh, I mean, still, I, he doesn't. He doesn't like. He doesn't just walk away. Like he could just walk away and live. Like look at how yeah. he dies. He just dies for no reason. Yeah. I mean, Luger doesn't even play it well, dude. Luger has to blow his flash and his cleanse because he flashes into the fucking binding. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I don't know, man. It's, it's very weird to watch. Well, your Gragas points earlier. Then I think just go back to. My question of like, you've got closer, one of the most aggressive junglers in North America. Closer's in hell, man. Closer yeah, is in absolute hell. He's yeah. in hell, man. That feels it feels bad, right? You get nothing out of Bjergsen sitting back playing Gragas on the kill lane, and your kill lane bot lane ints it in the first like what two levels? It's over. You can't play the game. So, uh, all right. So we have what? Where do we end up on this? It's both. Are we both moving on? From double lift with unforgiven behind? Yes. Okay. That's tragically where we're at. Obviously, the answer is this roster construction was horrific. Why are you firing the coach? It's not the coach's fault. It, like, well, look at the players you signed. Who's look at the coach players that you team? signed. Well, apparently, Nuke Duck. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you would have to have some, like, uh, because the, the main thing oh, is you need somebody who has, well. um, who, who has, like, an insane tenure. You need some, like, fucking. Erickson? <laughs> super yeah i mean that this is this is what i was saying right if, if you have Bjergsen. coaching bjergsen you have a player that had a better career than your coach that also has more ex coaching experience than your coach not only has he had a better career he also has more coaching experience so i mean it's just like even if you had no ego it's like how is he going to be able to get through to a player like that i mean you, it's it's really really fucked up i think the only type of coach that would work would be somebody who has extremely good credentials that coached a better team over in Europe or something like that. Like maybe they would listen to somebody like Mac from Mad Lions because he has like the, the maybe tenure. Young Bucks available. Oh, Degon, you're going to coach them. Uh, I, I have, I have a suggestion. Okay. Uh, could I suggest maybe a Chowie? 
a chowy maple type relationship right there. Like hell no. it's what do you mean? Hell no. What do you mean? Hell no. He had a successful career as a player and then has had international experience and success on the international stage. This, this fits. I mean, Maple is just parameters. a completely different person. Like go look at how Maple interacts and then just compare that to like double lift and Bjergsen. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah a okay. different personality. All right. That, that is true. But by credentials, I was like, hey, this this fits the credentials. I think you're right. Personality wise, if you're on a uh, uh, on a team coached by Chowy, you're you're listening. He's not. <laughs> he's probably not listening to you. You're listening to him. All right. Let's uh, move on from this one. See you later. Uh, Double F. Hello. Unforgiven in our keeper kick segment. We're going to take a next step at unpacking this just absolute debacle from evil geniuses from last year that has come back into light over the recent circumstances. It's the evil geniuses in handling how Danny went in this week's Tough to Swallow, and this one will be Monty. All right, guys, I'm sorry to say we are here again after new information has come out about the Danny issue courtesy of a guy named Arsh Goyle, who I didn't really know who he was before this uh, uh, medium article came out. But you know what, guys? Neither did you. So let me ask you a very pertinent question. Why are we trusting a former Dignitas intern who has not had a major effect on this industry, who is not a known reporter, who writes a medium post that isn't vetted by professional editors like we saw at Deserto with Richard Lewis's piece. Why is this the piece that suddenly allows you to believe that these things at EG occurred? And I'm not saying Arsh didn't have any sources, right? But I'm saying maybe we should have trusted the two guys, Thorne and Richard Lewis, who have combined won three esports journalists of the year between them, who have an extended multi-decade track history of being honest and accurate and not afraid to speak truth to power, instead of a guy who's never done real journalism before, who's posting on Medium where he doesn't actually have editors vetting him, who has nothing to lose, by the way, by being wrong, who also has changed facts about the story on his own Medium page after he released the story, after he broke that news, meaning that he didn't actually thoroughly vet all of the claims that he was making in the first place. Why is this guy the one that really caused all of these people to start reacting to the story on the internet? Is it because you guys don't like people who make mean tweets? I, I tend to look at people's actions. Richard Lewis and Thorne have done incredible things, even if I don't agree with their Twitter presence all the time, incredible things for this industry. And their actions have consistently shown that they have information and they have integrity and they are good at putting solid info into the public sphere. I don't so, like those guys, so I'm not going to believe them. Personally. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I I don't like them. So they must be lying. It's like, yeah. hello. Like you can't actually point to things that they've done wrong. And for all the people who think that they're sensationalistic or whatever, they are deeply concerned with the bad actions of this industry. And are they very jaded? Yes, I'm very jaded too, because we've seen I'm so not. many bad things. <laughs> no, it's not. What a lie. <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm just, I'm, what a lie. <laughs> what a lie. I'm uh, a, 
spring chicken over here. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's not jaded. He's Adam is the most optimistic esports uh, personality on the planet. That's for I sure. I love the industry. I love the industry. What can I say? Love the people. <laughs> so <laughs> as we look at this, maybe we should just trust these people. Uh, you know, when they actually release this, and maybe that's the time to comment. And on top of that, I don't understand why we can't just blame the people who are responsible for this. Even in Arsh's own post, he says, I don't want this article to result in harassment for EG employees, even those who I am certain made severe and repeated mistakes. What the hell? Like, you're concerned <laughs> about people making mean tweets because they were responsible for something that you felt so strongly about that you went and gathered all of this information yourself to show that Danny had actually been physically malnourished and mistreated while he was on this team, in addition to totally ignored about his deepening mental health crisis. And you don't want it to result in harassment for EG employees. Well, well, Arsh, let me ask you a question. What should be the, the ramifications of this, right? And the, there's this blame against the systems as if the systems weren't <laughs> created by a human being <laughs> at EG. It's not that they just took some system. It's not some, it's like the esports <laughs> systems, like the industry was responsible. Oh no, no, it's actual <laughs> it's human so beings up. who were super responsible oh, for geez. this happening, directly responsible, and we should name them. And also then we get all the people who are now piling on because somebody who's not Thorne or Richard Lewis, and I love Captain Flowers, okay? He's a personal friend of mine. But when he comes out there and he's like, shame on you, Carlos, for Andrew Tate appearing in the background and you telling people that they can't police your friends. Do I like Andrew Tate? No. But like, do I think that Carlos did anything particularly wrong? He made a, a social media post. So do I think he deserves what he got? Absolutely not. Even if I don't agree with Carlos and what he's doing, I don't also think he deserved to get shit on as hard as he did. But yet you will call him out specifically, but you will not call out the person that you, Captain Flowers, have worked with to create world's content. You were literally in a hype video with Nicole LaPointe Jameson. You were there getting paid by EG. Name the people who are responsible. Like you, you, you know that they're responsible. Everybody knows who is responsible for this. It is the upper management. It is Gamer Doc. It is Nicole LaPointe Jameson. We can absolutely have this conversation about who it was because all of the information is now there in the public sphere. And it's not a problem of systems. It's a problem of literal human beings that we know did these things and that we know should be the ones taking the fall for this. 100%. I mean, if just look at, at some of the things that, that Arsh Goyal responds, that a whole article made me question where his morals are as a person because he was able to confirm through his sources that... Nicole LaPointe Jameson was part of the reason why Danny played because of his brand value. They they didn't yes. want the brand value to tank, so they forced him to play. Yeah. So they chose money over him. That's, of course. That's what it was. So how and, does and that... Not, there's a, there's, a, there's so an implication. Not, there's okay. an implication from the information that's been released that upper management didn't believe that he was actually suffering a severe mental health crisis because they thought he might be... It might be a ploy to, to go Get on to, to a team. different team. So they didn't even fully believe it was happening. Yeah, right? I mean, it's it's completely absurd. Also, Arsh, Arsh Goyle and 
Thorin and Richard Lewis. Like I could understand people being like, oh, well, Thorin and Richard Lewis are from the same camp. So maybe like, like there's some, some evil, like mastermind plan to take down EG, even though that that's like extremely absurd. That's something that, that people could go to. And they could like, if you're just a dumb fan, I could see that, that line of reasoning, but Arsh Goyle and Richard Lewis, like Arsh Goyle hates Richard Lewis and hates Thorin. Like both of those, like those people do not get along at all. And they both had, <laughs> pretty much similar like timelines. There was a point in Arsh Goyle's article where he said that his sources contradicted what Richard Lewis said. And then he didn't put any of the contradictions. He just said that his sources couldn't confirm what Richard Lewis's sources confirmed, which is such a weird way to phrase it. I don't know why he said, Oh, there's a contradiction here. Um, because I mean, I, I, it just seemed like he was trying to throw Richard Lewis under the bus, even though Richard Lewis has literally like a hundred percent correct track record in the industry <laughs> over like 20 fucking years. Like he, he doesn't have what stories of his have he broke has he broke that, that are wrong. Like this guy has a reputation for a reason, which is why you should be listening to a journalist like that who actually does Just good journalism. The game. Yeah, exactly. If, if Arsha's article is wrong, nothing happens. If Richards or Thorns are wrong, then they lose insane credibility and honestly future work. Yeah, and they and here's the other thing guys, if if this article wasn't airtight, there's Medium is not going to be legally responsible for the the thing that's published. When Deserto publishes this, okay? If you guys remember like the Gawker incident that took down Gawker, publications are very serious about these kind of uh liable, you know, situations where they could be uh, have a lot of liability for getting sued. So if they are not very, very accurate, then they're not going to publish them. And the editor's job is to work with the investigative journalist to make sure that the facts are correct. That is what journalism does at a professional level, guys. And I'm not saying Arsh is wrong, but I'm just saying this shouldn't be the thing that tipped everybody's opinion. Like, you should have believed it instantly as soon as it happened. And to believe Danny's like, extremely transparent PR tweet is just a ridiculous. Nobody even looked into the fact that I proved that he wasn't even streaming for the last two years. He streamed 85 hours over the last two years, guys. And he has, are, you really think that a guy who, whose main point of suffering came from and mental, you know, mental anguish came from being in the public eye is now suddenly going to be a streamer and content creator and where the entire constantly and interact constantly with fans. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. Like, I don't even think he's ever going to stream because here's the thing about EG. Now they're on the hook for him streaming. He has to stream now, right? Surely for this to make sense. And here's the final thing. Why hasn't anyone, literally anyone, even EG themselves, the players, EG management, former EG employees, journalists, how come no one has come to the public aid of Nicole LaPointe Jameson or GamerDoc or the other managers at EG. There have been zero people, guys. People even defended Reggie, okay? <laughs> it is crazy that no one is defending this because no one can defend it because it's entirely true and there is no good look out of this, guys. So why, why uh, I'll ask the question. I've already answered this on Facebook, but I'll ask the question that was asked to me because I was going on a similar rant just maybe like an hour ago, maybe two hours ago is when I started going on my rant. Yeah. Why do you think Nicole LaPointe Jameson received almost no public backlash compared to the other figures you mentioned, Carlos and Reggie? Well, first off, because there, 
Carlos and Reggie, there's actual video evidence of them doing things, which I think is mm -hmm. is strong. And it came out of their own mouths very directly, or it mm -hmm. came out of Carlos's social media account. You got to remember, this is what I said. Okay, that's what that's yep. point number one. Okay, Monty. Whatever one. Keep on yep. going. Keep on going. And the other reason is because she's a woman, I believe. Honestly, that's not the one I said, but was not okay. the one. I, yeah. I do think that there is there is additional uh, public price for backlash because she is a woman and women authentically do receive a lot more abuse for being women within the esports industry than other places. And people are reluctant to pile on on that. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that, 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 that that's fair. What I said is because of the way she presents herself, like she presents herself as, you know, intelligent well-spoken well yeah yeah, yeah. she's highly educated and i thought that that the way she presents herself compared to like carlos who acts like he's in fucking scarface or something and and uh reggie who just was the stereotypical douchebag it was just a lot easier to see That's those true. guys doing fucked up it's also very true there's a lot to unpack there monty so i'm trying to figure out what points that i wanted to dive into <laughs> there's a lot there's uh, a lot it's a very the, complicated situation. And it and it festered for such a long time rather than coming out. I think one of the big things that sticks with me is, according to, you know, uh, the information that came out, everyone that was on the side of, on the performance side, giving Danny a rest, benching him, putting in Kyrie or Tomio, uh, no longer there. Who's there? Coaches, gone. Artemis, gone. Turtle, gone. Rigby, gone. Uh, Peter Dunn, gone. You know, when that whole massive layoff happened at the end of last year, beginning of this year, it felt super telling. And who is there? Who's still there? Not getting reprimanded for their actions in the function in which they provide, aka creating the systems, not being hands-on with the players, because that's not what you're there for. You're there to put people in power and trust those that are in power to make those decisions. And if you don't trust those, you get someone else to do that. That's what you're supposed to do. And there's no reprimand for that. There hasn't been, and it doesn't seem like they will be until people continue to kick up enough dust that it, you know it bothers investors or it, it creates an upheaval. It creates it from the inside. Because maybe, look, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what can create more upheaval. Let's talk about Evil Genius's track record. Okay, uh, their CS:GO team is fucking terrible right now, and they've actually been decent at CS:GO at certain points in time. They have lost, you know, for a long time. The core of the EG brand was its Dota team. They now have switched to like a Peruvian, you know, South American Dota team, which is probably much lower cost than having Arteezy, who is the face of EG Dota for such a long time and one of the true superstars of the Dota scene. Um, they've lost Monster Energy, which, by the way, was a sponsor. It was the core sponsor of EG back in the StarCraft II days. This is probably the longest-lasting uh, North American sponsorship deal in esports history. I, I don't know that off the top of my head. Like, I'm just saying that off the top of my head. I don't know that for sure. But I don't know of another sponsorship that has been going on for like a decade plus within this industry for a specific team. These guys, Monster and EG, were tightly, tightly knit since the Alex Garfield days. They've, they now lo no longer have that sponsorship, which I think was a huge cornerstone of Evil Geniuses. Their League of Legends team is obviously in a in a pretty poor state compared to what it was in the last couple of years. 
it's it's really rough, I think, for them. Um, their creator collective gets 85 views a video on that YouTube channel. Their main YouTube channel, uh, which was really fueled by their Dota team, doesn't get any viewership anymore. They provide zero value to sponsors, and they have garbage teams. They they have no they have no big content creators. They, what is the value here? I guess they have Valorant, but even their Valorant team isn't among the best in NA. Well, Danny's going to revive all that. Oh my <laughs> God, yes. Early, <laughs> Danny is the savior. The example I had for longest uh, sponsorship, maybe uh, Scuff and Optic is like- That's fair. That that's of, fair. Maybe. That's a good one. But like, even then, like, that's how deep, that's a deep cut. <laughs> like, EG kind of going through this- organizational transition and now seeing the way it's being done, the cost being done and no one's counting the pennies of it is, you know, is I think a, a something that's going to come to light here and will be affected moving forward. Hopefully um, again, like what everyone has said, the fact that this happened to a player and a person like Danny, including the pressure that came with it, you know, that's normal sports, but stuff, but all the extra stuff coming from your internal camp. That's so shit. It's so shit. Because again, I was big Danny uh, uh, hater. Hater is a strong word. But like, I, I put a lot of pressure on him because he replaced my favorite player. And I wanted to see it. And he didn't have the same kind of outward intangibles that now make sense now. Uh, finding out his mental health situation. And to know that he was still dealing with all of that internally, plus his situation is just so shit. It's pretty shit, and it's not really protecting players for the future. Yeah, and it's not also protecting the scene to not call out the people that are responsible for whatever reason is causing them not to be called out. Yeah, You know, like, a bad actor is a bad actor, and we need to, we need to really hold these people accountable. And so we have to name names. And we have to hold the executives responsible. That is the role of an executive at a company. Like, you are ultimately responsible, and that's it. That's it. Yeah, but it's not even, like, the thing is, it's not even that. Like, you even have reports of her. She yes, was the one exactly. that met She was the one making the decisions. We know, yes. you know, it's not like she had, <laughs> so it's, like she, it's not that she had, you know, said, oh, this person, I'm delegating this decision elsewhere. She was directly involved with these decisions. Yeah, she's not like complicit that. by proxy or some shit. Like, she was just there. Man, holy shit. I am tired of seeing these, like, weepy-ass Twitter videos. Like, give me a fucking break. And also, here's another one. I would be so mad. I would be so fucking mad if I was the LCS right now because I got duped. I got yep. duped by EG. I got duped that this was a sudden crisis that couldn't be solved, that I didn't have time to actually follow the rules and put the proper player on my substitute, uh, you know, as a substitute. Maybe I even used that lack of an ADC substitute in order to coerce Danny to continue playing because he, he would have known that they didn't, according to the rules, have a player that could logically replace him in his position. And I would be so fucking mad. This is why I said at the time that LCS should not allow this, this change to occur because it was against the rules. And you can never tell if somebody is acting in bad faith. And I was told, oh, no, guys, like clearly Danny was having a mental health crisis, which I agreed with. I thought, yes, I am watching these games. He clearly is unwell. Like, I don't there's no other way to interpret what is happening on stage than like there's some fucked up shit going on. Right. And so the fact is, is like 
I didn't want Danny to play on stage, but I wanted them to have to use a substitute because turns out it was a bad faith action, guys. They It was totally a ruse. The whole thing was a ruse. That's why you have to follow the rules as a commissioner of the league, even if they're stupid and you want to change them because otherwise you open yourself up to abuse from potential teams. And I would be so fucking mad if I was the LCS that I was tricked in this way. Like, <laughs> I, it's it's outrageous. I remember the whole the whole pushback was paying for the staff to go to the events, and they were like, "Well, Riot pays for you know our, it's also you know, access X amount of to the rooms." Yeah, it's it's that they pay for the substitutes to attend, and I don't think it was a payment thing because EG apparently has infinity money to burn as far as far as I can tell based on their actions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but. I think it's like you can only get so many people into certain rooms and substitutes are allowed, whereas you probably have a cap. I think you have a cap on the number of coaches that can attend. So if you put your coach as a substitute, then you can get them into the facilities um, and into the rooms they, that you want them to be in to help coach the team. Doesn't that seem like an easier fix? Doesn't Look, that seem the like rules an easier stupid, fix Digon. The rules were stupid. The... The... Digon, the rules were stupid. The rules were stupid. The rules yeah, should have yeah. been changed. They were bad rules. But you have to follow the bad rules until you change them because you can never know what is actually going on. And you know what I hate about esports, guys? I hate how the worst case scenario is always the one that we get. It's like the worst case scenario was that EG was somehow lying about this and they fucking were. And it's like, it's not only they were lying about it. It was like, in, it was like an insane lie, right? It's like the double lift in Lena situation where you know there's a conflict of interest there, but you can't prove it. And then the worst case scenario actually ends up happening. You know what I mean? Like, why is this industry so malicious and so stupid at the same time? Reddit. I blame Reddit. Oh. Sorry, Dardock. The <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So there we go. I love, uh, uh, again, as more information comes out, but I appreciate this angle as well, Monty, on the, not just the situation itself, but where the blame should go, the, 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 yeah. the content that and came look, out as well. And some of you guys may be flaming me because I said what I believe is the truth is that she is not getting as much criticism because she is a woman. And that, you know, because women do get a lot of criticism that is unnecessary in this space and that I strongly disagree with. And I support women in this space. My own wife is one of the most OG people in esports, guys. So it's not that I'm against women or think that you should be attacking women. But I do believe that one of the reasons why people are unwilling to call her out is because she's a woman that is a factor in this for sure all right well again the bombshell dropped last week we'll see what happens here in the future with this team this org and obviously with danny and his family as well hey everybody this is monte cristo and i know you're enjoying that long smooth hit of a podcast that is power spike but there's an even longer even smoother hit that you can get from our sponsor for Last Free Nation over at FreezePipe. What are freeze pipes? you're wondering? Well, just in time for 420, you can get a discount through LFN. They make a variety of pipes, dab rigs, bubblers, bongs, whatever your heart desires. And what makes them special is that each contains a separate glycerin chamber that you can chuck in the freezer for an hour, take it out, and get the smoothest and coldest rips possible. So it's a time for you to enjoy that cannabis smoking experience. 
And you can head on over to thefreezepipe.com. That's www.thefreezepipe.com. And use the promo code LFN for 10% off your purchase. Remember, LFN for Last Free Nation. And thank you very much to The Freeze Pipe for your sponsorship. Yeah. Moving on. We've got... Our Galaxy Brain Club. So, yes, tough to swallow. Usually it's, hey, here it is. Here's a very tough truth that Monty's going to throw at you. Galaxy Brain Club is our big talking point one. We're moving on to ranking the best teams in the world. Monty just put out his uh, top 10. But with Dom now here, let's dive into it together. The best teams of the world right here. All right. So, best teams in the world, obviously in the East, maybe a Western team that cracks the top there in terms of FlyQuest or G2. But let's get to it. Monty, you begin. Where are we going with this one? And if we right. start with the best teams in the world. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, things change very fast. And, uh, you know, we don't, games are constantly happening. So, I released my latest uh, global power ranking um, before we saw game or I, I recorded it i should say before we saw games that had happened this week um and so we have in the interim like we actually did see the the or it was last week sorry so we have seen a week of games since then and we saw omg upset jdg which those are my boys i i, I here's the thing people will look at there are some games guys where you look at a game and you're like the worst team won this game for incredibly lucky and stupid reasons and I'm not going to say JDG, you know, couldn't like there are three games in a series, but that third game was <laughs> definitely one for lucky and stupid reasons. Um, and JDG certainly underperformed, but I don't think that it takes them down the power rankings by a significant margin, because I think if you replay that best of three, like a hundred times, they win 95 of those. Um, and we just got to see the crazy banger that happened where OMG won. Right. Um, but otherwise, I think a lot of the results were kind of expected. I haven't seen the EDG versus LNG game yet. Um, and then in over in Korea, obviously, KT bouncing back is probably going to be a big factor to moving them up and live sandbox down. Um, but this is all to say that I think T1 is number one. And then I think that there's an interesting conversation to be had about uh, top esports, JDG, uh, EDG, and then some of the top Korean teams like uh, D plus and Gen G. Yeah. I mean, the team that I would have had right behind JDG, if I were to make a power ring, because I probably would have had number one T1, number two JDG at the same time you did. Number three for me would have probably been B Gen G, but then Gen G lost to KT and JDG lost as well. So it's pretty hard to like. <laughs> no, it's hard right now, right? <laughs> yeah. This last week of results are like, hmm, well, things, things and may Dom have looked a lot better. Like, I yes. thought their games yep. versus Hanwha Life looked really clean. Also, Huge part about Dalmont, I think that they've honed in on a uh, drafting strategy that I think will be very good for them in the future, which is drafting setup on mid with Canyon on a carry. So you draft yeah. things like, for example, like you'll draft things like Annie Leeson or Viego Lissandra. You let them have that 2v2 scrap ability because from yes. watching Dalmont for years at this point, it always feels like they are better when when Canyon and Showmaker can like win 2v2 mid jungle. If they win it, 2v2 mid jungle, they can bring that pressure to sides and you know, other people are stable on the team. Yeah. And and that's the the analogy I've made is that you have to I'm not saying Showmaker is Bengi, okay? But Showmaker is the Bengi to Canyon's faker in this analogy. Now, 
Showmaker's a much better mid laner than Bengi was a jungler in his own right. But you have to understand that Canyon is really the tip of the spear in this team. And to your point, Dom, I agree. I think that the the shift to more early game junglers where we've seen the Lee Sin, the Viego, the Elise, the Nidalee, these are all great. And they can early pick these champions and contest them early in the draft. And then they can save later picks for mid lane counter picks that power up the 2v2 like we saw them do in their like r5 lissandra pick into the LeBlanc, really good um, lissandra pick yeah really good lissandra pick in that game um and they r5 did uh in the second game versus hanwha life and it was really completely dominant there's also other things that are going very well for d plus right now Kana's playing better number one mm-hmm. um they have certain picks that you just can't give them lucianami is now eight and oh uh, for D plus, and that was a big factor in their early game or their early season success. Then it started getting banned or picked away from them, and they they had a few more troubles. Uh, Kana's Renekton is also undefeated this season, so they have a lot of picks. It's hard to draft against them because now they they've started to come out with so many picks like Lee Sin, Nami Lucian, Renekton. These champions are very very difficult to give them and win against, and then they are also. They've improved in terms of individual performance. Showmaker is randomly dying less, which gives up fewer barons. They're having more success in the early game. Kana is integrating better in terms of his macro play and teleports around the team. So it does feel like it's coming together for D+. Agreed. No, I'm, I mean, I agree. I think D, D plus is definitely playing a lot better. I'm still going to call them dumb one, by the way. I'm not going to even... <laughs> um, D plus. But yeah, I mean, when you when you watch them play, I mean, they have been... They have been pretty solid. Like that was a convincing series victory over Hanwha Life. Hanwha Life, yep. Hanwha Life looked like hundred thieves when they were playing the fucking Gragas mid. <laughs> they they looked like they were just doing nothing with the Gragas mid, and you just knew they were going to lose the game. It was just extremely difficult for them to to do anything. So I, I yeah, like I said, I just like the new Damwon drafting strategy. If you look back at other things they're playing, they're playing a lot of like Victor before. I think they had like one like Vitalia game, but for the most part, they weren't playing things that were easy to like interact with uh, when it comes to mid jungle. They weren't playing a lot of the combos that we saw other teams playing. And even if you're playing things like Jace, Maokai, like those are champions that complement each other later on in the game, but there's not really like a direct, um, like you can 2v2, but you have to take the 2v2 as well. You don't just stomp 2v2s for just existing, but now they're drafting things that just stomp for just existing, where it's like you come mid. Viego Lissandra is a, a combo that's super, super old in League at this point. It's obviously played a lot when um, last summer when Ari was super meta, they used Lissandra as, a, as yep. a counter. And then if you just think about how both champions interact, Lissandra locks one person down, pretty much ensures that Viego gets a reset, Viego gets a reset and just becomes like the best champion in the game. So... Overall, um, I expect big things from them. Obviously, they had you know some some pretty fucking bad losses. I think that this is one of the the things that I've noticed about Korean teams. A lot of Korean teams have some like slow, painful losses when they lose. Outside of T1, T1, I mean, they don't really lose that much anyway. But when other <laughs> when other teams are losing, like when when Damwon looks bad, when Hanwha Life looks bad, when Genji looks bad, they they kind of are more on the side of do nothing and lose than like going out in the fucking. 50 kill shit fest you know like they're they're kind of going to do nothing so that's the only fear that i have about the teams outside of t1 is like are they going to collapse potentially under pressure versus a team that's that's very aggressive so for example could g2 take games off these types of teams when they play a super aggressive style if the other team isn't prepared to actually like fight back yeah that's why i think g2 is a top 10 team I mean, I, I think they have flaws but i also think that they they can compete they have a very at an good international style. level yeah, they have a very good a very style good. for international I play, I think. I agree.
which has been like the hallmark of of Caps G2 teams, you know, going back to when Caps joined. It's been the hallmark of every single successful European team in the history of League of Legends. Yep. They had back to, to have an alternative yep. style to what the norm was. If they play the same style, if you ever go in with Rogue playing the same style as Koreans and Chinese teams into Korean and Chinese teams, you just lose. So that's big. Yeah, like let's let's think back. Uh, 2019 G2, them playing around side lanes. Yep. Good example yep. of it. it. It always felt like NA was primed on, hey, what what's specifically what was Korea doing? Let's try to emulate and figure out a wrinkle there. And we never really got the wrinkle all that often. It was teams that bucked the trend that found a way in. Um, so, yeah, we'll keep that in mind. Um, so, yeah, is I, there... I, we, can talk, we can talk about it. So we want T1 at number one. I think the, the interesting conversation yeah. is who is actually number two. Number two, uh, it's hard. Uh, I think JDG coming off this loss to OMG, even though I left, I left watching that match with the opinion that JDG is still a much better team than OMG is. They did end up losing, um, yeah. and it, we can focus on that third game. But they also had to lose one other game in that series, which mm -hmm. is a little bit less forgivable, I think. Um, I would say that that OMG is a forgivable team to lose against because OMG is the yeah, team that good. plays to the level of their opponents. Like that is the yeah, whole thing good. that's so crazy about watching OMG games. I mean, I'm known as like this huge OMG fan now. I, and the I reason why I'm, too. <laughs> I, I, that I'm a big OMG fan is number one, they're fucking completely mentally ill. Like the way that I they know. play games, I mean, like they're they're super <laughs> psycho. Like no, even no, if no, you look at game no. one, the way when they're losing, <laughs> they're, the way they're, they're trying to battle rush. back. The death yeah. rush, dude, is so fucking funny. The way I described it when I was like VOD reviewing this was like, there are two wolves inside OMG. One all ins you from behind, and the other all ins you from ahead. Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> it's it's literally like the MLXG meme uh, that everyone fucking used to go on, where it's like, ah, uh, you know, when when they're losing, like they feel like they need to make a player, the game is lost, so they go in. When they're even, they feel like they're close to winning the game, so they go in. When they're winning, they think the game is unlosable, so they go in to end yep. the game fast. Like that is literally <laughs> they're, they're very entertaining. OMG are the most Chinese team that you will ever see. Yes, they are truth, super Chinese. Truth. They are like the like when people think of old Chinese League of Legends, a stereotype of like crazy aggression and not giving a fuck and going in regard. That is who OMG is at their core. That's why I love that fucking team because they embody PB, PB God's shot calling. Like, I mean, the way that game mm -hmm. and we'll talk about that. I don't want to talk about that series right now. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I'll just say in general is I think it's forgivable to lose to OMG. We have seen for, for years now, for, for about a year and a half now, OMG is the team that loses to bad teams and beats good teams. And it's like, what the fuck? How is that possible? How did you beat JDG? But you lost to Ultra Prime like two weeks ago. Ultra Prime suck. Ultra Prime, for my money, are the worst fucking team in the LPL. I think they have the least talent out of any fucking team in that league. And they still beat OMG. Because OMG, sometimes they, they come out, they have bad drafts, or they try something that doesn't work. You know, they have an all-in style. The enemy team is drafting full disengage. They still keep on drafting engage anyway. They lose the game. That's just, that's just who OMG is. So if any team loses to, to OMG, I'm just like, yeah, it depends. Like, maybe you just played against the good OMG. You could play against fucking Prime 2017 SKT in OMG form. Like you, you might be able to, to play against that OMG or you could be playing against Dignitas right now in LCS OMG. Like you <laughs> can right. get both. Oh, is OMG in the top 10, Dom? Uh, Hell no. no <laughs> they might not even be in the top 10 of LPL. Like this one, fuck no, this team is not in the top 10. Are you kidding me? <laughs> All right. All right. They fucking so, suck, so, but I so, love them. Like, here's, here's, here's the thing, guys. So here's the thing. We have to, we have to rank these teams. So T1 number one right now. Uh, I guess I probably still have 
Uh, bearing in mind, I haven't seen the EDG LNG series yet, where EDG, EDG 120. It looked very um, good. Yeah, I think EDG, like every week that I look at EDG, they just look better and better. They're, I think they're the best macro team in the, in the LPL. They're extremely cohesive. They ha they've been surprisingly good with Leave, this rookie AD carry, who I think is alongside Pays, like the two most exciting new ADCs in the world. And then, you know, Ale, JJ, and Fofo, their top side has been excellent. Um, I really like this team. I really like EDG and they keep moving up. I think I had them at five this week. I think my, my list is probably still JDG at number two, because the thing about JDG is when they win lane, they just completely smash the game. And like, I know that's not, they have to prove that they can play from behind better. I would say, but when they are winning lane, they completely own. Um, I mean, they had some pretty good like come from behind games. Like for example, game one versus top esports, I thought was pretty yeah, okay. solid. that was the that was the Annie game yep. where TN was completely smurfing on the map on Elise. Yep, they're able to come That's back. True. That's true. Yeah, but no, I agree overall with your sentiment. Um, so I would say two for me is still JDG in spite of this loss as it stands right now. We'll see what this next week holds. Um, I think I probably move Weibo down a little bit. I think I move D plus up. Genji down. I think that's fair. I probably have D plus is third, top is fourth, Genji fifth. I have to move KT up probably to like seventh. I'm I'm probably moving Live Sandbox out of the top ten if I'm honest. I I'm sick of them. Where's the EDG? Uh, EDG was fifth last time. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if I would move them down though. They continue yeah, to pick up good wins. I mean, they picked up good fucking. Maybe wins. I put them yeah, above Genji honestly. That's a that's a hot take. Here's the question three? for me. At this three. is my question. At five. Is, e is EDG better than top? That's a great question. Yeah. Because they lost 2-1 to top esports, but since then, like, you know, I mean, they they beat they beat JDG, they lost to top esports, and rookie played extremely well in that series. And then they beat LNG really convincingly. I mean, there's a lot of good matches in in, in LPL coming up. By the time that this VOD is released, I mean, obviously we're shooting it live. But by the time that the VOD is released, we'll They'll have more information on both these teams. Like, the games tomorrow are insane in LPL. EDG versus Weibo and Top Esports versus LNG. Pretty, pretty great. I mean, LNG is the team. And people people always, people harass me about this in the power rank because they're like, Monty, how can LNG, the number one team in the LPL, but not be in the power rank? It's like, because they've only played garbage teams, guys. Like, I, and I love LNG, okay? Like, uh, Tarzan and Scout, I love watching the early game that those guys cook up. Like, I think it's super fun to watch. But at the end of the day, LNG, their, their strength of schedule was so backloaded. I mean, they literally play top in JDG this week. Like, we're going to learn so much. Like, LNG could absolutely be in the top 10 after this week. Yeah. They, I mean, I guess the one win that they had that was good was last week they played against Weibo. So they, they beat Weibo, which I thought was a, a big win. Um, but they got smacked by EDG, and I expect them to get smacked two times this week. So they wouldn't be top 10 for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect them to win that game, but I'm just saying we can't actually put them in the top 10 just based on the fact that they're number one in the LPL when they haven't played most of the other teams that were in the top 10 at this point yeah. in time. Uh, I don't think that's reasonable. So anyway, back to back to it. I think I still put JDG at number two. I think, the, I, think I put D plus at number three right now. The question is, is top number four? Does EDG move up to number four? It's reasonable. Good to have EDG at four, right? Five could be... Other uh, five could be top. Yep. Six Genji. Six Genji. And then I would put maybe uh maybe seventh KT right now. Yeah, I mean I would have had Genji higher if they didn't lose to KT, but um they've lost even twice the way to KT that, now. 
I mean, the way that they lost to KT, I was, uh, I felt like I kind of felt the same way as I did when I watched JDG lose to OMG, where I still believe Genji is a better team. I just think that that Akali yes. pick was fucking terrible. Like, they drafted Akali. <laughs> like, you, look at when they I mean, drafted big, Akali. Big credit to KT, though. I mean, them last picking the Twisted Fate for BDD. I mean, Take they, out the they, TF. Take out yeah. the TF and then look it's at the comp. Anyway. It's still bad for Akali, yes. It's still horrible for Akali. Yeah, it's it's a pretty unpickable Akali game. And I feel like most of the time they just won't draft Akali there and then just win the series. I was really surprised at the, the fucking Akali pick. Because what, what is he playing? Let me let me refresh my memory. Okay, so these are the champions you're playing Akali into. Vi, playing Leona, into Leona, Vi, Varys, Renekton. And Varys. <laughs> and Varys. So just Leona, Vi, Renekton, those are three. It's like, what the fuck? You don't want to yeah. ever play Akali into those champions. Those champions are all essentially, effectively tanks in Season 13. And then you have Varus, who can play from one million fucking range. And you're yeah, blinding Akali when you d don't know what their mid laner is as well, last. And BDD is a very famous Twisted Fate player. And then basically every champion on that team composition from KT has a single target stun. And then they can see Akali through Shroud with Twisted Fate ult. Yeah. Or, you know, they can just stun her with a Leona ult by putting Leona ult over the Shroud anyway. Yeah. So, like for me, <laughs> I moved Genji down because of the fact that they. They obviously lost to KT, and you know these are going to affect power rankings very heavily. But I don't put them below KT. To me, I still think they're a better team than KT. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. I I think that they've had some bad drafts in both of the times that they played against K KT. They've yep. had some bad drafts in those times. But yeah, I, I agree. I put them in sixth, and I move KT uh, probably up to seventh because we also can't omit KT's sins from last week, where they just played a bunch of champions that they but don't actually terrible. play. They played they terrible did. because they played comps that they don't play. And, and then they, they returned to playing champions they actually play this week. They did the fucking special. They did the, the do nothing and lose. Lose in yeah, peace. Because they don't know how to play those champs. They did the that was KT's problem. They were like, <laughs> but what if we just played things we're bad at? And I was like, why are you doing this? And then the next week, they're like, oh, right. We remembered that we're really good with karma and we should also pick karma. And I'm like, yes, thank you. You should do that. You should do that thing. You should you should be playing karma as real. That's who you are. That's who you are, KT. <laughs> You're not Lucianami. You are Karma Ezreal. Congratulations. You figured it out. Yep. All right. So we got T1 at one, JDG at two, top at three, D plus at four, EDG at five, Gen G at six, KT at seven. We got three more to fill in. Live, Live Sandbox is out of my top 10 right now. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm taking them out too. How many Korean teams do we have? Do we have all five? Oh, no, we have no Hanwha. I don't, I'm not really bought into fucking Hanwha. Yeah, yeah Hanwha's schedule for the, the rest the, of the, the season. The problem, is... Okay, the problem with Hanwha life is this, guys. Yes, as, as Digon's about to say, the schedule is fucking. They, they've literally played the only good team they played, the only other playoff team they've played is D Plus that they just got smacked by. They now play all four of the other playoff teams back to yep. back to back to back. Okay. Yep. They were beating up on scrubs. They were literally spent this entire second round Robin so far, just crapping all over the bottom four teams in this league who are, by the way, way worse than the top six teams. There's like a very clear divide. Yes. Um, and so that's why Hanwa was never, even though Hanwa was like up at nine and four, like coming into their last game or what? Nine and three, nine and three. Yep. Uh, they were not on my top 10. They they had the LNG problem where it's like, yeah, okay, like these are teams they should be beating. Mm -hmm. I don't, I think they played things they were bad at into D plus. They like KT'd themselves this week. So maybe they can come back uh, in the next week. They're, they're better than they played against D plus. That's for sure. But I don't put them in the top 10. I mean, they speed ran Nong Shim, but like 
who gives a fuck? <laughs> like honestly, like they, yeah. they had the, they had that absolute. Nongshim is by far the worst team in the LCK, by yeah. the way. I actually think that Nongshim has some potential, though. I like watching them more than I want than I like watching other bottom teams. In really, Kwangdong is much more fun to watch for the Nongshim for me, but yeah, for, for me, I, I I like watching. Like I think the Nongshim players, they're just like they actually just have no one with any experience on this team. Like just zero, you know. Like yeah. it's P Peter. They have no bit. fucking. Yeah. But they're like. I could see them being like an OMG for me next year. I could see them being like the lovable idiot team, you know? <laughs> oh. to, to me, that's going to be CV Max and and the Kwangdong Freaks. I think there's some like actually potentially good players like uh, uh, Bulldog and Youngjun on that roster. So, yeah. Um, so, so we're staying with just four teams, four Korean teams then. In <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, mean, so I would go with G2 is definitely, by the way, guys, based on results, G2 is definitely maybe eighth or ninth. Right? Yeah, I, I think G2 is eighth. I would put G2 right. right here. I, 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 had, I had G2 ninth on my last power rankings, and usually you don't want to move teams that haven't played any games, but all the other teams are such shitter disappointments. Yeah. That <laughs> this is college, this is college football well. season, man, right? One <laughs> yeah. team has the bye, and all the teams ahead of them lost. I'll put Weibo ninth, probably. Yep. And then and then probably LNG 10th. <laughs> like, oh, that's hmm. LNG better than Live Sandbox. All right. I mean, they did lose to EDG, but they beat Weibo and they beat BLG, which is like not, that's not nothing. I am biased. I like LNG more than I like Live Sandbox. So my personal bias wants to believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's close. I mean, it, but Liv, like, I mean, San, yeah. Sandbox, I mean, Sandbox, they lost to fucking KDF. Like, I feel like that's definitely a worse loss than anything LNG did. Yeah. All right. Uh, I, I'm with you. We'll do. We'll do. We'll agree on LNG at tenth, but it's close. And also for all of you guys that are no doubt asking about FlyQuest, who is now eleven and two, it's in LCS and, again. They lost to EG. Week. They they played kind of bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they were up they 10K barely against, beat CLG. Like, they they were up ten k against CLG at seventeen minutes, and they couldn't win a dragon fight. Up like. Dude, if you're not able to win dragon fights up fucking 10k gold, I don't care if you're playing into New Relian Soul or anything. If you're not able to win dragon fights up 10k gold at like 17 minutes or like 20 minutes, whatever that fucking Drake was, like that's going to be an issue internationally. You have to be able to cleanly win the games that you are winning. The the problem the problem with FlyQuest is that the way they win games a lot of the time is that they have really terrible early and mid games and then just team fight or out macro the enemy team late. You just can't do that in international competition like you have to be competitive in the early game if you are if vikla is getting clapped in the early game there's not going to be recovery from that against really truly world-class mid laners and i don't know what's happening to i mean especially vikla i think has just been more disappointing uh as the split has gone on yep. um I, I i for whatever reason NA is just kryptonite. Like LA is just full of whatever the kryptonite equivalent is for Koreans, where they have to like oh, go K back. Like, they have so to go back. Shit. You know, the it's like the, the 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 yellow sunlight is being blocked from them in North America, so they have to like return to Korea occasionally to like juice up on that yellow sunlight, and then they can come back. And uh, yeah, the smog fucks them up. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of smog in Korea, so maybe it's yeah. just a different kind of smog. Yeah, <laughs> So right, I don't well, I don't know what it is, but the 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 skill vampires that only live in Southern California, 
They're the endemic species of America, skill vampires. They're they're sucking away on those pro players, or <laughs> it's kryptonite. I don't know what it is. Girlfriends are ruining the LCS. Are those the skill <laughs> oh, vampires? Boy. I mean, some oh, of them boy. come in that form. You know, there's, <laughs> I, I like to think that skill vampires come in many forms, Dom. You know, they're tricky beasts. They're tricky beasts. That's fair. The so just just for consideration, the honorable mentions we'll throw out FlyQuest there, Skill Vampire a little bit, Hanwha Life. Uh, we are putting Sandbox. LNG there. Sandbox, Sandbox. obviously there. I mean, I think. Uh, uh, yeah. is, do we have like IG in there? OMG in there? I, I no, hate IG. I, I fucking hate IG. Yeah, I, IG is not good. <laughs> IG is not good. BLG is probably not good. RNG is not good. I would say OMG is probably looking like the sixth best team right now in LPL. But it doesn't fucking matter. Like OMG, they'll they'll dis they'll find a way to disappoint us. Trust me. And then the other thing about OMG is it depends on what OMG you're getting. Because if yeah. you get like a regular season OMG where one team plays the best of three, and then you have like two days to prep, and you're like, oh, what do we ban against OMG? And it's like, I don't know, bro. I think they play Rumble or something. And then you just like fucking ban their Rumble, and they just have a strategy they shit on you anyway. Then, then it's OMG is gonna look pretty good. The problem with OMG is once you get into playoffs and somebody can sit down and be like, all right, let's look at what their fucking VODs, what do they play? It's very easy to dissect OMG and ban out key champions that make their whole fucking strategy work so you just get a gimped version of OMG. Like then... Rumble? <laughs> yeah. Can you explain that? one, well... but you got to do more than that. Like, it's like, okay, Rumble, why is Rumble good for them? Okay. Like, Rumble allows them to play AD mids. Okay, so now you can now now Yone is playable. Okay, so they want to play Yone. Do we give them Yone or do we ban out like AP junglers that make Yone better? So like maybe you have to get rid of Maokai or maybe you have to get rid of Gragas, something like that. What can we draft bot lane that will just neutralize the way that OMG wants to play? So people start drafting things like you start drafting things like Gragas yourself when you play into OMG. You dra start drafting Disengage, Renata, those types of picks, and mm. then it becomes extremely hard for OMG to do anything. Honestly, look, if anyone needs a scouting report on OMG, I've watched way more <laughs> OMG than is like fucking healthy. So like, if you hit me up, I'll do some consulting. I know how to fucking beat this team. I, I like, look, if OMG picks Victor, you have won the game. That's all I know. If you, if you force OMG on certain comps, you have automatically won the game. I'll write the report. Uh, is there any world where, I guess what, who's the number two team? It was like Mad Lions. Is there anyone else out there that would be honorably mentioned? I wouldn't put Mad Lions. I mean, you have top six Korea, and then, I mean the thing—the thing that, that's interesting about about Chinese teams is there's there's 17 teams in China, so there is like a weak lower part of Chinese teams. But I yeah. would say that the middle is actually like pretty good. Like when you start going to like TT, like even though IG is not the best, I would take like IG in a best of five over fucking nong shim or like drx right now i hate drx you hate you hate fucking watching uh ig i hate watching drx that i hate all, i also hate watching DRX. <laughs> can't we all hate <laughs> watching drx okay all right that's fair all right that's, that's fair <laughs> when, when did i say i like watching DRX? i fucking don't Why are you okay. look i like korean teams i doesn't mean i like drx okay <laughs> drx are sad to watch because you just feel like they should be so much better than they are it's like what happened to you motherfuckers what do you not feel like it should be better than this? Maybe a little bit. Like, I think they should have been cleaning up the fucking bottom tier team. They lost to bro. They lost to bro. They <laughs> that, lost to fucking. How dare you? How dare you, uh, you know, talk about Lord Morgan like that? 
<laughs> I, I, hate this, I hate this name. I get so angry when people are like, Ford Bargain, Giga Chad. I'm like, they suck. They're fucking bad. Like, That's why it's funny. <laughs> people yeah, know they're bad. <laughs> It's it's not it's it's not like a fun for me, Lord Morgan. It's like why does Morgan still suck? But then again, I've probably been watching Morgan suck for longer than most people because not that well, many in, people were watching WE. <laughs> like so, <laughs> this motherfucker in, in like this episode. Dom gets bad at jokes. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it's not even jokes. I just get mad at like Morgan. Like this guy. <laughs> what the fuck, man? What the fuck? All right. I don't well, know, man. Got He's ourselves. just got progressively like. He was kind of okay with WE. Then that Hanwha life year, he was like good in spring. And then he was kind of bad towards the end. It's like, wait, he's in Tinkchovi every game. And then the next year, he just became like a bottom tier player. And it's like, haha, Giga Chad, he's running it even harder. And now he's just a like perennial bottom tier top laner in LCK. I'm fucking more excited to watch Dindin than I am to watch this guy. Yeah, I think it's fair. <laughs> at least, at least Dindin is a more unknown quantity. All right, well, we've got ourselves our top 10, plus some honorable mentions of the best teams in the world at this moment. T1, JDG, Top Esports, D+, EDG, G, KT, G2, the only Western representative, Weibo, and LNG. And with LNG having a ton of prove-it matches coming up this week, so we'll find out very soon what LNG is made out of. That was our Galaxy Brain Club discussion for the week. Next up, Time for everyone's favorite fortune teller and at times uh, leak giver. It's an episode of, or it's a segment of Nostradamus. All right, All Tom. Right, so what do you got I, for us this week? I, I know we've used Nostradamus. Like in, in the past, it's literally been like, Dom, you're going to pretend to predict the future, but instead what you're actually going to do is just leak roster moves that haven't happened yet. So I was just like, a scroll who plays with their mid laner. Maybe. Who knows? I was like, upset might be joining Vitality. Will their fucking bot laner be upset again? Like, I don't know, man. It's just, um, um, people are going to start fucking blowing it up soon. So we got to return to some of the game predictions and stuff like that. So for this one, let's, let's just do some predictions for LPL. I think that we're going to get a couple bangers coming out. Like tomorrow, there's obviously a pretty big series. I predict with Monty that LNG is going to be exposed for the frauds they are. Oh my god! Is going to. <laughs> and also, I think I think EDG is is is, is beating Weibo. I think EDG has been looking pretty fucking good in their wins. Obviously, they've they've had some bad games. Like EDG has bad games every now and then, but I think that they've been one of the more legit um, teams in the LPL. And when it comes to like win rate, they haven't had a super easy schedule. That's number one. Like they like after they play against Weibo, their last matches of the year. This is the, their last matches of the year. So they've had one of the hardest schedules and they're at the top of LPL. So after they play against Weibo, they play against LGD, anyone's legend, OMG. Those are my boys might lose that one. FPX and TT. That's how they end their, their series. So like if they beat Weibo, they might be looking at something as, as good as 14 and two. Even if they lose to Weibo and they lose to, to OMG, you know, because OMG can beat anyone. That's still a 12 and four. That's a pretty fucking solid LPL split. That's normally enough to put you towards the end of playoffs. So yeah, I believe in this team. I think they're pretty good. They've shown up versus teams that were supposed to be way better than them. I think EDG beats Weibo as well. 
All right, buddy. How do you feel about that future telling coming out of? I, I don't want it to be true because I like LNG and I selfishly would like them to be good, but I don't think they actually have. They're not a complete team. Like there's, I the thing I enjoy about LNG is early game pathing from Tarzan and Scout Tarzan's energy. That's what I like. So you like the Koreans? Nice. <laughs> of be they're the best parts of any LPL team. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's the eleventh LCK team. Do like I do. <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, but I, I, I do think that I do think that as much as I want this team to win, they haven't actually shown that they are super competitive on a player for player basis in other roles and i think i think to his credit like zika is a pretty good weak side top laner but their bot lane is very middling uh and i think that they just don't have the individual player talent to really hang with a lot of the top teams in the lpl unfortunately you know you, you threw out um uh pays being one of the great uh rookies in the lck yep. you threw out uh who else who was leave the, uh leave as another rookie at bot lane leave is really just, impressive for a rookie i mean he's great leave is just chinese pays like yep. pays is just <laughs> korean leave like that's what they it's are true. just the new it's rookie true. talents that are hype yeah it's like they also all have like exactly the same strengths and makes exactly the same mistakes which is like they got dove randomly under turret when they shouldn't be there but they also like are very good at laning and team fighting and play pretty aggressively so they, they are actually very similar to each other uh well lp uh the bot laner for lng also a rookie this is his first full split yeah, but he's way worse than lp and run the jewels yeah. so uh, <laughs> nice that's a good one <laughs> well we'll see if the future telling of lng stays uh true to our nostradamus we'll find out in just a little bit because it's put up or shut up time for the squad sitting near the top of the table at the top of the table of the lpl all right speaking of the lpl that's where our certified banger is coming on in you heard us talk about it a little bit earlier with JDG and OMG, but this is your fresh match of the week to cleanse a palette full of not match news. Let's get into it. The certified banger, JDG, OMG. Dom? Yeah, I mean, I, I can intro it. So the certified banger we have this week, JDG versus OMG. I, I actually... Was not able to watch it live, which sucks because the one time that I missed watching OMG live, they actually beat the best team in the league. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I OMG, you OMG actually, was, and especially because of game three, I was so sad that you didn't get to watch that live. I was sad for you, Dom. Yeah, it was it was, it was tough, but I mean, we ended up reviewing it today on stream, and it was a it was a good series. I mean, I think OMG just showed why I I really just enjoy them. You know, like they're just a fun team to watch because they they have that fight in them. They got that dog in them. And that, that's something that I respect, you know? That's exactly what I said on my stream. <laughs> yeah. Word, word for word. Same analogy. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that, that's just who they are. So I think it was a good, it was a good series. Also, I don't think that JDG played particularly bad. Some of the other losses were like that JDG had during the season um, were really just them playing like really just like imperceptibly bad. I don't know. Like I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Kanavi was 
crazy bad in those series. And he's normally pretty consistent. Ruler was inting all over the place. And that's obviously the opposite of Ruler's play. I think one of Ruler's biggest strengths historically is how consistent he's been, how he just doesn't die in fights. The criticism you would have like on of, of Ruler in previous years was that he wasn't the player that was going to do max damage in a team fight. Sometimes he would position yep. too heavily. He was more in the reckless vein than somebody like Uzi who likes to get in there and actually kill people or, or Guma who, you know, will in too much sometimes, but he'll get in there and try to like win you a fight. Um, but this, this series, I actually didn't feel like JDG played that poorly. Like the things when OMG started beating them in game two, they had them out comped and it felt like they just played their, their chokes. Well, they played dragon <laughs> fights. Right. OMG's composition well. in game number one was just a tragedy of, of league of legends drafting. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, that's, that's the thing awful. that happens with OMG. Like, so <laughs> JDG won when they should win, and then the second game, OMG, I think, outdrafted them, and they won that yes. game. They should win, and then in the third game, JDG was smashing OMG. They had two inhibs down, like twenty-four minutes. They had Baron, like they, they killed Baron what, what, in twenty minutes. A, yeah, they had a twenty-minute Baron spawn after they had killed the two inhibs. Yeah. Wait, was it after? No, I don't think it was. Was after. it after, or is it just slightly? But those so, things happen at basically the same time. Yeah, yeah. They they took the Baron and then they took right. The it was slightly after. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, with the Baron now. because essentially OMG was decently. They were they were kind of spiked at that point. They wanted to contest a Drake, and instead, um, JDG just went to Baron and they took the Baron because they had Cassio on their team, so they had really it was fast a really Baron. good call. It was a really good call. It was a really good call. Hey, I was I I I almost said it on stream if T1 did that call that show would be all over Reddit. Look at how no, it was a great are. call. It was a great <laughs> call from JDG. <laughs> so JDG should have won that game, and then they don't like massively throw a lot of teams when a lot of times when a team throws a six k gold lead, it's a little bit different where they make one egregious error or somebody gets caught like where you're like what the fuck what were you even doing there? In this game, OMG goes for an engage. The beginning of the engage looks like it's fine for JDG. They they get flashed on whatever they're able to kill the Annie, so they trade supports, and then JDG yeah. is winning the fight. Yep. Shanji on Cassante lives on one HP from uh, an ace of the right. hole. From oh, hold up, hold up, hold up, Dom, because they do this in the in the first game of the series too, sure. where they try and death brush. So what I love about OMG is normal teams. What do normal teams do, Dom? They apply map pressure and then use the TP to go to Baron, right? To like fight a Baron. Yeah. What does OMG do? They walk all together to Baron and then they ninja vanish out of a team fight and then recall, get all their HP back and then re teleport into that same team fight. Yeah. That's what they do. They're fucking psychos. But I think that that's what is, actually what is sideline pressure. I don't know. OMG doesn't know. They're I mean, in I that rush together. They can <laughs> they can play side lanes. That's one thing. Like when they play well, they are able to play side lanes. I think they're just pretty good at reading like what the game state is. And in that game, the Cassante is super far behind. He's not going to do anything in side lane, and the team can't play the game without Yone there. So I think this is one of the times where you actually need to bring your like your Yone is on IE, right? That's a spike. You have you have, you have shield ball yep. IE. Your Yone is fucking strong. Your Aphilios has IE Gale Force. Like that is when you can actually potentially win a fight. Shanji lives on one HP from a Caitlyn ult, and then Ruler goes to try to kill the Yone. He headshot crits the Yone. He is 55% crit. So he's sitting on IE, Gale Force, and a Zeal. So he's 55% crit. the calculators. And he autos three times and doesn't get a crit on any of them, any crit there, and Yone's just dead. Yone lives and is able like to, to defend the base. Yeah, he lives on 20 HP. So, so by the way, if you guys haven't seen him. this, 369 on Renekton has TP'd into the base. So Cream on the Yone lives with 25 HP, escapes, recalls into the base, and stops the Renekton from ending the game. Okay, so if you're counting, if Shanji dies in the initial fight, 
then he can't TP back in to clean up. And if Cream dies from getting critted one time, then he can't go back and stop protecting from running the game. So it literally is. This is why when we were talking earlier about OMG winning this series, but you don't leave feeling like OMG is the better team. It's because JDG played this really well. It's just they got so bizarrely unlucky. Yeah, and it's <laughs> also one... the whole the whole call that they're making is predicated on the fact that they think Ruler can kill the Yone. They're like, yes. okay, Ruler, like you kill the fucking Yone. Like I'm gonna TP and end the game. Yes. So that, like, and then everyone else is running in to try to like cancel them. Essentially, it's like, all right, yeah, just like Knight can go in, whatever. Renekton will end the game here. That's that's what they're thinking. And because of the nine percent RNG, Ruler ends up not like. Look, I'm a fucking OMG fan. I would love, I love that OMG won this series. But I don't come out of that game feeling like, oh yeah, OMG was the better team. Like OMG, they they got lucky. And to OMG's credit, they played it pretty well afterwards. Like once once JDG lost that fight, OMG had a comp that outscaled in a lot of ways, and they were able to just leverage that throughout the rest of the game, and they didn't make a mistake throughout yep. the, the the rest of it. So I thought it was like a decent game to watch. It was it was a pretty fun was back a and game. forth. And, and then the way it ends is also hilarious. Yeah, which was a PP God call. A which, very good call, too. Very mm -hmm. good shot call. Which is something that, that people people will disrespect PP God because his mechanics are not that insane. But he's like your he's just an upgraded version of Cold. He's like the shot caller guy that plays engage and he generally makes teams better than they are without him. When he joined V5 originally, um, they they got a lot better. When he when he played on that that V5 team. That obviously had rookie last year. They played a lot better. He seems like he's somebody who can actually lead um, the team pretty well, and I think that's exactly what OMG need. They need the guy who's gonna like give them a little bit of like intelligence in the mania because they are fucking crazy. Like they they need some dude to be like, hey, we don't need to fight to win this game. We can use our teleports to end the game. They're like, what the yeah. fuck? Okay, all right, we'll listen. And and to describe for you guys who haven't seen this game yet, and you absolutely should watch at least game three of the series. The first couple games are just kind of stompy, and a lot of it's bad drafting from from each of the teams but the 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 third game of the series the way it ends is around an elder dragon fight where omg realizes that they can basically just tie jdg up so there are super minions that are going into jdg's base through the mid lane and they realize because they have maokai and annie both with ults up that they can send their yone and Cassante out to teleport delay all the rest of the recalls and just end um, and it's a it's a very good shot call because JDG is completely they 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 they've completely focused on this elder dragon and winning this team fight and they just can't recall so it ends up being a very exciting end to the game. Yeah. Also, I think it was um it was executed pretty well from Abel. Like the fact that he was yes. that they're like yo like he suicide them for really it. hard. Like <laughs> he, he baited them super hard. He gale forces in, and the way that he killed, um, the way that he killed missing, missing was playing Lux in this game as Aphilios was fucking insane. He like autoed him one time and dropped a turret, and then the right, turret yeah. auto got him, so he just yeah. dies in like two hits. I was like, what the fuck? Like Aphilios <laughs> can even do that shit? And then he like flashes his way out. That's what I'm talking about. Like when you're playing a situation out, and this is what I was criticizing Doublelift for with Hundred Thieves. When you're playing a situation out that could be positive or could be negative. How how much you force them to expend maximum amounts of summoners or maximum amounts of autos, health, whatever, in order to sweat for each little part of the game, like that matters. If Abel doesn't flash instantly there, like he doesn't flash and he doesn't cleanse well, and they're able to insta-kill him, maybe they're able to TP back. Maybe JDG is able to TP back and stop OMG. The fact that he was able, I mean, obviously, no pun intended, because of his fucking name, whatever. Because Abel was able to to do that and actually make them sweat to kill him, and he was able to you know take one with him, output max damage. That's what allows them to to end so cleanly. Wait, it was, he was actually also, a pretty close end. 
he was also just a delicious bait because he was a six item Aphilios who was like, you know, using a bunch of his abilities. And like you said, his gale force to try and like kill the support. So he looked like a very appetizing target as well. So it's fun. It was a very fun last, last sequence of events for sure. Even in the LPL objective for Nexus doesn't go well for the team going for. Objective. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's crazy though, is that you don't, you don't anticipate the TPs there. It literally just looks like they want to team fight because it's a five versus four in favor of OMG. Like they have a player advantage. So you don't expect them just to TP their solos out of that situation. But it was mm -hmm. a really good call. All right. Well, if you need a palate cleanser, need to see some top tier uh, league play, head on over and watch that one back again. OMG JDG for a three game series. All right, guys, that's all the segments that we have done for the day. Quick note and thought from both of you. Uh, LAC starts very soon this week. So we're still waiting on what Excel's roster is. Quick thoughts on LEC restarting back on up. Obviously, we'll dive into it a lot more uh, next week once we get into it. Upset coming back on in. How do we feel about these things? Quick thoughts. Surely Vitality can't suck this time. <laughs> Thank you. That was exactly what I wanted. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this, this is the, I mean, if they suck again, I don't even know what to say about this team. They must be cursed. Like, did they build their team facility on a, like a, an Indian graveyard or something? Like, I don't understand. Did they import skill vampires from North America and just give them bunk beds in the, in the Vitality house? I don't understand how they could possibly be bad now. Dom. Surely Fnatic can't be bad this time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that one. <laughs> Not this bad. There we go. That's it. <laughs> Give me three games of uh, Evi Casante. There we go. That's what we'll look for here in the first, so I guess the super week that's coming up this week. So, yeah. I'm excited to see them play on because we never got to see Europe play on 13.3 or 13.4. So I'm excited to see them play on a on a later patch and hopefully be on the same patch as LPL and LCK, which will make it easier, I think, to compare regions and uh, kind of regional draft strategies. Uh, and I hope that the teams that got eliminated early, like Excel and Fnatic, have made the most of their time fixing up their rosters, getting some synergy, and we'll see if the new format can be successful in terms of giving more time to teams who have been eliminated to fix underlying issues and improve. That's a big question, right? You mean by kicking, by kicking the bad players is mainly what it allows you to do. It gives you time to kick the bad players and get new players. I mean, that's important, right? Yeah, and think now, about you get an, now you get an extra, you, you get an extra window to kick your players. Sick. Uh, good luck, Oscar, and uh, at Vienne. Lots of lot lots of fan expectations to be filled there over in Fnatic and for the rest of the LEC guys. They kick things off this upcoming eleventh. Uh, was that Friday? Saturday. This coming Saturday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, as they have those matches coming up. LCS will be hitting week number seven uh, this week before the Super Week and closing things out. LPL has, as we've hit multiple times, a ton of huge top flight clashes that will be battling this upcoming week. Dom will have you covered there. 
Uh, in the LCK, what are the premier matches here, Monty, coming up? Okay, so this week is pretty garbage for LCK because, first off, because, uh, basically there is a, there's a possibility of a Breon miracle run, but it would, it would have to be Breon winning all their matches and Lift Sandbox losing all their matches, which is just not going to happen. Um, so basically we have the top six teams in playoffs and unfortunately, a lot of the matches that we probably want to see are not happening until next week. But we do have we do have the Hanwa gauntlet. So Hanwa versus KT and Hanwa versus T1 mm. are potentially yep. interesting matchups. Um, Gen G Sandbox. Gen G Sandbox is probably the other one. That's that's about it. But it's not. I mean, the LPL is just going to be a lot better this week because LNG of LNG's games and because of uh, EDG Weibo. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Well, there you have it. Let's see. What is the match of the week this week for LCS? Golden Guardians, 100 Thieves, closing the door on 100 Thieves playoff run. Um... <laughs> no, 100, 100 Thieves, like, they, they pretty much can't be oh. eliminated. Like, C90 the last game. Super Week, they're, they're probably still okay. Because they, they, they're they they're battling for that Their spot games are, they're only hard games are EG, GG. Otherwise, they play Immortals, TSM, and Dignitas. So they do yeah. have a weaker strength of schedule. they probably go 8 and 10. I, dude, I, I love a good dash of false hope right before we go into playoffs. Drives up the betting lines, you <laughs> yeah. know, so it makes it very easy to, to get some money out of 100 Thieves. Yep. Yeah. I think it's an EG week here. It's EG, Cloud9, and then EG, CLG. So a team that they should be battling with, a team that they should beat. Uh, I think that Friday set of games doesn't look great. TSM Golden Guardians is your probably key game on Friday. So, All right. Well, there you have it. Lots of conversation about the World of League this uh, this past week. Just so much came out of it from Danny uh, and the whole Evil Geniuses situation. Obviously, uh, diving into the rankings of the best teams of the world as many of the leagues are coming into playoffs. We'll run it back and do it again and double check on how LNG did thanks to our one Nostradamus next week. For more, make sure to subscribe over at Last Free Nation across all of our social media channels. Please help us do that. Take a second. If you're watching right now, just hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a lot. And we will catch you guys next time for more Power Spike. Thanks, guys.